0: Hey, Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stanhouse, and this is the Inside Property Investing Podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Tex Jones, the MD of Jones Real Estate Property Group, who develop HMOs and flats in Southeast London using a combination of their own funds and private equity. I met Tex recently through Clubhouse, and we've been hosting a room together for the past couple of weeks, which has given me a chance to get to know him more and develop a real admiration for all of the hard work that he has put into his business at every single stage of the process. His approach to creating something that is sustainable and scalable, rather than simply focusing on short-term profits or replacing an income. Really resonates with me and with our current focus. And I am sure that you'll also get a lot from our discussion with him. If you like what you hear from Tex, then make a point of joining us in one of our upcoming clubhouse rooms for a chat about all things property. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy today's episode. I am sure you will. Before we jump into it, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsors. (laughs) to admit it but one of the most frequently asked questions we get whenever victoria shares photos of any of our projects isn't how did we source such an amazing deal or how much profit do we make on that but where did we get that amazing furniture from whether it's a funky sofa or some of the best bedroom packs you have ever seen it is all from landlord furniture Co. We made the switch to them probably a couple of years ago now to ensure that our rooms remained at the top end of the market and continued to stand out from the competition. And to be honest, the responses we get to our adverts and from prospective tenants remind us constantly that we made the right decision, not just from a posing on social media point of view, but also in terms of maximizing our profits through higher room rates and lower void periods. Whether it's a standard bedroom pack from one of their many existing ranges, or you want to create your own bespoke range of furniture, we know the guys can deliver something special every single time. Landlord Furniture Co. are great at running with a detailed brief, but if you've got no idea what you're looking for, they also offer a full design service and turnkey solution for you. But of course, it's not all about the aesthetics and the design. We obviously need to keep budget in mind and ensure that our furniture is going to stand up to the use that it sees in our houses as well. I am delighted to say that the team at Landlord Furniture Co deliver on these aspects as well, giving us the whole package of cost and quality to keep me and Victoria happy. So whether you're an HMO or a serviced accommodation investor, if you're wondering how to make your next project stand out on Spare Room or on Airbnb, then Landlord Furniture Co. are your answer. Check them out on Instagram, visit their website at landlordfurnitureco.co.uk or give them a call on 0161 633 2651. And if you use the code IPI5 when you're requesting a quote, the team will give you 5% off your first order up until the end of April 2021. So go and check them out now and you will not regret it. I am delighted to get you on the show. If uh, anyone has been joining us on Clubhouse recently, you'll see that Tex and I have been hosting a regular room, which has been a whole lot of fun. And I've got to know you a little bit through that, but I'm excited to jump into your story in a bit more detail today and find out a bit more about how you got started and what you're up to now, more importantly. But first of all, I just want to say thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. And uh, thank you for asking me to uh, come on the show. It's a pleasure. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So, um, what we always like to do, Tex, is just run back in time a little bit and find out what it was that first got you into property, and also what you were up to prior to that. I think, it, it, from reading through the bio info that you sent me, it's, it's kind of been in the family for a little while, right? This idea of investing in property.
1: Yes. Um, so the idea of investing in property. So I think if most people you know the common, common thread is the whole accidental landlord story um, that happened prior to me being born <laughs> so my parents became what you'd call accidental landlords by um, when my grandparents um, moved here from Jamaica they had to buy a property um, it wasn't easy to rent back then for them um, so my, when they moved back um, they couldn't sell their property so my parents ended up buying their property again, prior to me being born. So that was their exposure. Um, I don't think they would have, you know, the idea of owning a property um, other than their residential hadn't sprung to mind. Um, fast forward 10 years. And um, then my mum bought just buying as a traditional landlord and buying one, say, every five, four years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so naturally, I was exposed to that and um, some of the tenant issues um, in and around that. So. I've, um, career-wise, I've wanted to do a number of things. Um, I've done acting, boxing, um, music. Um, Yeah, just, you know, I've always been, um, you know, quite outgoing in that sense. Um, Even back in school, I would um, sell sweets. Um, I've had a hair business, um, selling human hair. So I put my hand to quite a few things. Okay. Um, And I've, (laughs) I've always had because I, I the thought of being full-time in property was nobody around me was doing it so I didn't know that that was a thing but I've always um, I'd say without knowing the term multiple income streams has always just been the norm um, I grew up seeing my parents have you know international students at the house and whilst working full-time and then being landlord so I've just been um, been accustomed to um, naturally gravitating towards Having multiple income streams. So, okay. um, and was the move into property something that they encouraged then? No, not at all. Um, so, as I said, you know, um, doing acting um, was anything I wanted to do. Um, you know, it was just you know I done amateur boxing, um, said acting. I was in uh, casualty, um, did adverts, um, did London Palladium. So that that was just there's like different phases, if you would say. Um, and as, as I grew up, you know, business, I would always have my hand in business at the same time. And then, um, property was just always something I wanted to do, irrespective of what I became successful in, um, property would have just been, you know, on the side as, yeah, I'm a, I'm a landlord, but, um, it wasn't until I, um, attended. So at college I pivoted, I decided I didn't want to pursue, um, boxing, um, wanted to pursue business. And then, um through that i I went on to so I, I knew I needed to to get into property I needed to have a good job so um i after my degree, I went to work in West Africa for two years I was in Republic of Benin in manufacturing, and then um me being me, I wanted to just add um theoretical so I had the um, manufacturing experience practically um, and I got to travel so I killed two um kill two birds with one stone or you could say three birds so I got to travel <laughs> after my degree I got to learn a language and got work experience so um I picked up French while I was there um again living in I would visited um, Republic of Benin a few times prior to that um but that was amazing then came back did a master's and it was during my master's um I've always I've always read um self-development books and other things um and there's always that mantra about um surround yourself with people that you want to be like mm-hmm. so off the back of that um just came to my mind um i was thinking i was i remember you know exactly where i was at my university i went to university of sorry for my master's mm-hmm. done operations and logistics so i was doing um was in the library and i just started googling um property networking events um auction houses and I dragged my best friend along to, you know, auction houses. We used to go along practically like it was cinema. Um, no money <laughs> to our
0: names. Yeah, cheap entertainment.
1: Yeah, no money to our names. Um, it was homes Under the Hammer Live, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so um, we just, I would just absorb who's in the room. You know, you've got the the seasoned vets that would not, literally not even sit down. They were just standing in the corner and barely entered the room, just came to do business. Um and seemed like all the newbies were at the front. We were front row, trying to get all the action. <laughs> um, no money in our pocket. Um, and then I started to go to pin networking events. I again, dragged him along with me. And then from there, um, I found out about some property educational courses. And then at the time, I didn't have 15 grand to spend on property, let alone a course at the time. So um, I just, you know, I, I like networking, um, meeting new people. There was a few people I used to get the train back to um south london with and you know i really connected with them and they you know gave me their time and i was able to shadow them and um you know help out a little bit and through that i was exposed to strategies such as rent to rent um structure and finance um and then at that actual event i i met somebody that was launching a development company and um I think the two weeks prior to me moving to the Midlands to start my grad scheme, um, so I jumped over so many hurdles, you know, got distinction in my masters, got, got a good grad scheme with Kerry Foods, um, and there's a guy that mentioned that he's launching a development company, and there was a talk prior to, um, at my when I was doing my degree about a lady that she said she just took an opportunity two voices were in her head. She was standing in front of, um, is it Karen Brady, the lady from um, mm-hmm. The Apprentice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she went to a woman's motivational talk and two voices in her head said it was like um, Lord of the Rings. One was telling her to go up and approach her about her website business and another voice was telling her, don't do it, don't be stupid. And she went up, spoke to her, she ended up designing, I think, West Ham's website um, and then off the back of that, her business blew up. So, that conversation was going through my head when this guy said he's launching a development company and my legs just started walking towards him didn't know what I was going to say and I just said I want to work for you and off the back of that he just said well do you have a business card I said no he said that you know one lesson is you know always carry a business card and we just maintained the relationship I was ready to throw it you know throw my grad scheme in the bin and just jump you know (laughs) dive into this uh, development company irrespective of the salary really I was just you know, it, it was almost like somebody said, um, I'll sign you to a Premier League team, but um, you there's no pay. And I was just like, it's irrelevant. The pay is, you know, I'm passionate about property. But I was talked into kind of, you know, pursuing my grad scheme just because, you know, off the back of all my experience, you know, I should be earning an income. So I maintained that relationship for 12 months. And then after 12 months, I was then offered a job with that company. And rest is kind of history. I I spent two years there. Um, And I was exposed as an assistant, um, executive assistant to development director in a very small company in two years. um, I don't think I could have had, you know, broader experience from um, sourcing land, contacting landowners, structuring debt from private equity up to institutional, so Aviva investors, um, to name one, for example. And we was, um, so I was able to see, you know, what it takes to, you know, build out, you know, from 13 million pounds, 16 million pounds student schemes, you know, what the pieces of the puzzle are. Um, And then the last scheme that I was involved in prior to I left was a 190 million pound PRS scheme, which I was in the company when we found the site supported with the due diligence um, and yeah, through to planning. So I sat in the design team meetings. I traveled to Poland, um, looking at modular construction I think I visited every modular contractor in the UK um, doing some research for the company. So, you know, I went to the Dorchester to the construction awards um, in replacement of my directors. I, I, yeah, I love it.
0: (laughs) What an education! I mean, so many people will say, oh, you know what, I don't have any money, so there's no point even starting. But you, you know, whether it was going along to those auctions, asking people for advice on the train home from from pin meetings or then eventually getting a job with another developer. I mean, God, you you you, you put yourself in the, the best possible position to absorb all of this knowledge and obviously now it's starting to pay dividends. I just I take my hat off to you just for, for taking action and getting out there, Tex.
1: I appreciate it much.
0: So it. you were learning about all of this development stuff. You're obviously interested in the industry. How did you start investing yourself?
1: So myself, um, so my first property that I, so whilst I, at the company, the first property I kind of, I would not invested in personally, but converted to a high-end HMO. Um, so my parents had leased a property, actually funnily enough, a guaranteed rent to um, a company that went bust. And um, that property was dilapidated when we got it back after five years. So um, that was my opportunity to, the property needed full refurbishment, um, And my directors actually ran a mastermind team. And then I was, some of the people in the mastermind team were doing HMOs and that kind of sprung to mind. So I converted that house to a five-ensuite bedroom HMO. So that's the first kind of conversion. But my first investment property was, um, simply I was on a salary. I knew I needed to um, buy a property and my salary was a modest salary, but I just needed to buy anything. I just thought, I just always see Property is like a hot air balloon, and you just need to grab it, mm-hmm. and you know, and get wherever you can get onto the ladder as it's going up. Um, you know, rise with the tide. So, um, there was a property, one of the, probably the cheapest property in my area. To be honest, it's, it's with it's within I could get there in five minutes. Um, it was on the market for one hundred and thirty thousand. A one bed flat. They tend to go for, you know, at the time probably hundred and ninety. Wow. Uh, okay. And. I went there and I was standing in the, um, I didn't even got. it's a flat, but it's a, it's a masonette and it's got its own entrance. It's, it's like a small one bed house, but it's just attached, it's leasehold. Um, and prior to even going upstairs, I said to the lady, yeah, i like to put an offering of, um, it was on for 130 I said I'd like to put an offering of 140 and she said, are you going to go upstairs? I said, no. Now, in my head, there's nothing else I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've done my multiple on my salary, I know I've got um, the deposit. And it's, I said, yeah, I'd like to uh, make an offer. Here's my dep- showed, I logged into my online bank and said, here's my deposit. Um, and she said, OK, um, well, feel free to go upstairs. And I said, OK, I will go upstairs, you know, and looked upstairs. And, yeah, I said, yeah, I'd like to still make an offer. That offer was accepted, 10K over asking price. Again, I could have gone in there and said, you know, I'd like to offer asking, but I didn't have the time or the room for bartering or getting into a bidding war. Um so that offer was accepted. Um the valuation came and they said they can't um it's not mortgageable because it's behind commercial. Um me being defiant, my broker called me and said, you know, I'll oh, back to the drawing board text. Um and I simply said oh, that's a very that's a subjective opinion. Um, you know, that's that's just one valuer. We need to go in and get another valuer. So the next valuation came back and they said that they're not gonna offer me the mortgage because it looks like mortgage fraud because the price is too low um God. The, the property should be valued at, at least one eighty. And that really fired me up. And um I just fired off, you know, a very strong email for my broker to forward on and they accepted that, you know, I was being penalised for my negotiation. I said the seller needed to move quickly. Um and I was and I presented myself quickly and I got I got the property. Um so that my, my broker was, you know, a bit astonished, She said, you know, day one, you know, you sign that um document and you've got sixty K equity without lifting uh, a finger um and then that was a, I've been able to get um some second charges um, yeah okay as I've gone along on that just using the equity in that property I've since um got a consent to let on the property um so I've been able to you know come out of the property um and let it and have a cash flow income so it's through second I think second charges has been kind of um a stepping stone um for me um and then off the back of that we bought in 2016 so again kind of always thinking ahead so jones real estate was registered as a company and i wanted to set up a brand but it was kind of triggered by the change in stamp duty so i registered jones real estate not with the entire vision that i've got now but in 2016 i wanted to buy a property to convert into my second hmo um and then we set up a company as a family with four directors parents my sister um essentially you know i'm the only one working full-time so i'm driving the business forward but also with um kind of um inheritance tax in mind just setting it up all um structurally wise you know from now um and then i've you know used you know taken a second charge being able to get equity um and leverage property and then buy that property so that was fine then bought the next property in 2018. Fast forward to 2019, 2020, and now I'm ready to gear up in terms of my lettings business. Whilst all this is going on, I've been quite involved in my lettings business growing that. So 2019, 2020 is when I had a full team in that lettings business. I'd stepped away from the development company in 2017.
0: Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. me just ask you about that quickly. When, when you, when you, so as you were setting up this um, property company, so uh, Jones Real Estate, Jones Property? Yeah, John's Real Estate. Yeah. John's Real Estate. Um, it sounds as though you knew this was going to be something bigger than it was at the time. You, you had your eye on building a portfolio. Was it always with a view to exiting the, the corporate world? Did you know that you wanted to become full-time in property or did that only happen yes. once you'd got to a certain stage?
1: A hundred percent. And my directors knew that. My relationship okay. with my directors was second to none. Um, and, you know, at some point, you know, they. I will be reaching out to them and, you know, they're not going to expect it, but I owe so much to um, to them, you know, just me with, you know, just being exposed to buy to that property and them seeing, you know, really and truly, I was, my master's in operation and logistics obviously put me in good stead because I was able to come into a new company. I set up all the back office kind of systems and processes. And that was, you know, don't get me wrong. I had something to offer. Every, all the opportunities that I've been given I have, brought my skill set to the plate um so I presented myself as you know I'm quite which has come to light over the years I'm quite naturally orientated towards systems and processes so Mm -hmm. they made me do a wealth dynamics um test and um, I'm an engineer so I like tweaking systems and processes to my own detriment at times because I might tweak something I try to perfect stuff (laughs) so I always need that counterbalance in you know a business partner that's like no let's perfect it later let's get it out beats perfect Yes. And I've learnt that, um, you know, that's something I've learnt on, you know, as you become self aware, those kind of things you can um address. So, um so at the time I was leaving, um, again my relationship with them was more kind of a mentorship kind of style and I had to write a really long letter just explaining that um so in my head, um this is how it went, Mike. So in my head I wanted to stay at that company until I see till I have a site that's gone from finding it through to PC and I was involved in it so over that two year period I was involved in sites that they had already found and come to PC and I was involved in sites that I found whilst I was there but didn't so it's kind of I straddled (laughs) and then so it's um and I think that was just a personal thing um I just wanted to just have on my CV that yeah I've been involved from from identification through to PC and that's um but The size of these schemes one of them was taking five years to come to pc and my business partners from my letting business we all sat down so one of them was on 10k a month at kpmg another was on um, he just made 100k doing a conversion to flats that year and i was due, you know significant bonuses so it was all comfortable um but we had a sit down in a cafe and we just said you know is this business a hobby or Is it, you know, is it just a lifestyle business on the side or is it we going to make it, you know, a proper fledged business with people? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of questioned, like, you know, backed onto a cliff edge and, you know, do you believe in your own abilities kind of thing? And I just and I accepted that and I just thought, yeah, I'm going to bet on myself. Um, And I wrote a letter to my directors and I just said and I knew it was going to be if I just said to them, I want to leave. The question would have been, what do we need to do for you to stay? So um, because, you know, I was I was pretty much entrenched in the fabric of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I was comfortable there, but I had to write a letter in the sense that when I gave it to him, we was out. And then it basically said, you know, I'm betting on myself. I currently I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I have a window of opportunity to be selfish and just bet on myself and see what's the opportunity cost of me getting a big bonus in five years. Or me betting on myself and seeing where i get to in five years yeah um, and he he respected that you know and i said you know i've got to I have to also respect my other business partners in that we've also got our own dreams that are all attached to this business Um. so yeah and he you know there was about a three month transition period and then i went full-time in the lessons business and grew that that was my time was all spent growing that business for two, another two years so not much property acquisition so there was one maybe every two years I was getting one in John's Real Estate and then as I said 2019 that business was running by itself you know um, lettings negotiator, property manager, um, lettings assistants um, and team of six and then um, yeah I could take a step back I'm now officially you know not just on company's house I also feel like a director in the sense that I'm only <laughs> involved in you know our BPR meetings our business performance review meetings on a Tuesday looking at KPIs occupancy rates and that's the position I always want to be in with that's where I'm gearing up all of my business to systemize you know roll my sleeves up for two three years set up the processes and that's really what excites me I used to have um, a life coach and she would help identify you know I had a bit of um, a time where I was a bit lost and to kind of What is it that I enjoy? Because there was elements at my um, development company where I knew I had the ability, but I was underperforming and I just couldn't hit the nail on the head. And she helped me identify that what I enjoy doing and I'm good at is identifying problems, setting up systems and processes, but I'm not an executor. And working with my directors, I would set these systems up have fun. But then I'd also be expected to execute the (laughs) tasks. And Mm -hmm. that was where the friction was being caused. And she just kind of, you know, she said, actually, you protect what you're passionate about all of this kind of over the months we've been talking, you're just you like setting up businesses and systemizing them and then letting people, you know, make them thrive. And so when I realized that I've just said, you know, I'll spend two, three years in each business, systemizing, setting up SOPs, KPIs, and just like my manufacturing days, you know, I'd come in, manage a team. Of, I had a team of 75, and I'd be monitoring stock levels, Kanbans, um, and that's kind of strategy. I'm, I'm back to strategy level once I've set up the systems. So um, that's where I am with that business, and I foresee myself hopefully being in that place in JRE in the next two to three years, taking it to 10 million, and then hiring a team to 10x that, and then I'm just taking a step back monitoring the system and processes and tweaking kind of a there's a there's a have you heard of Kaizen Um, yes yeah yeah that's kind of the mindset you know continuous improvement always encouraging my team to give feedback Um, we have an ABCD kind of review form that we go through weekly um, no monthly should I say um, where they their own review is done by themselves I like everybody to be self-reflective where they we talk about achievements the benefits of those achievements any concerns they have and what to do next. So there always has to be a concern. We can't leave the concern. That concern could be an improvement for the company or something. I, you know, I think you're not you're not plugged in if you don't see somewhere where we can potentially improve. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah, that's where I'm at now. Um, Jones Real Estate Property Group is at it's um, infancy slash growth stage, um, and all my properties that I were previously acquired um, and owned, I sit outside of that. Um, because I'm, you know, building from the ground up. You know, from the tenant experience is all, you know, is all different. So as I was mentioned to you before, I don't want to, maybe when we start to do full refurbishments on the older portfolio, um, we might bring them into the, the system of the whole Jones Real Estate kind of process. But for now, just starting from you know ground zero in 2016, and now it's momentum investing now actually, um, which I can focus on full time, which. I didn't have that capacity back in 2018
0: yeah it's it's interesting i mean i think the um it, it sounds as though the the sort of the lettings of the property management business is off to a phenomenal start with hindsight knowing where you are now mm-hmm. has it has it been a distraction do you think you could be in a different place now i think a lot of people have this internal struggle should i look at growing like a service-based business that can provide an income whilst I'm growing the portfolio or should I just go all in and focus on building the portfolio and maybe struggle a bit more because I don't have an income behind me. The letting agency, obviously, that gives you a monthly income so you're not worried about getting development deals over the line or maybe trying to, you know, force deals to work so that you can make progress. But how have you found that balance for yourself with hindsight? You, you hit a nail on the head um, because I haven't been behind the scenes
1: in a development company um profits are like um it's like holding your breath as you can (laughs) imagine um for oxygen and then coming up and having oxygen rammed down your throat kind of and then going back down for breath and then it's so cyclical and I've always thought you know someone that kind of ponders into the future and I've always thought that you know my wife and my children you know I don't want to necessarily um, expose them to um, the cyclical nature of development. Um, and I don't want that's just, you know, not that, you know, those were the, um, yeah, you know, the company was running fine, um, but I just saw the um, the cyclical nature of, you know, the cash flows, you know. Um, so I've always thought, you know, set up a service-based business, A, that service-based business, when me and my business partner look back on any, any challenge we currently face, you know, people think, oh, um, if that stresses you out so much, you know, why don't you just leave business or, you know, even the pandemic, I think running a business for six years, um, having so many tenants to deal with, it's it's giving us um, a, um, a stamina, a certain stamina for business and dealing with unknowns and an agility that I don't think I would have had just growing a buy to let portfolio and dealing with hundreds of tenants Um, you know reaching a million pounds in um, revenue and all of that just it's it's equipped us to go into any industry that we want to and bootstrap it and scale it Um, so beyond the cash flow um, it's it's definitely set me up um, and and combine that with the big thinking that I learned from my developers uh, my old directors and combining all of that into setting up a business bootstrapping it rolling my sleeves up then handing over, delegating, that all can be applied to anything I now put my hand to. So um, I don't regret it um, because I feel like um, it's the foundation that I can go on to build anything upon. Um, and it's also, like you said, um, I i don't take huge amounts of money from that business. And me and my business partner, it covers our overheads, um, but we it just gives us the headspace to focus on our our other respective businesses he has a um cosmetics business and also a construction company so as so as i do as well have a construction arm of my business um and one of the business partners has also exited so um we we're fortunate enough to be in a position where he's been able to exit the business and pursue what he's doing now um and it's all amicable we still talk we're still you know all very good friends um Mm -hmm. They're um, they've become you know very close. They were groomsmen, you know my wedding's been postponed but groomsman. Um, so yeah we've got an amazing kind of friendship business relationship and um, it's been yeah it's been a good experience and I think as I said I'm, there's not many things that I can't I just I just reverse engineer anything you know I can see Canary Wharf building and I would know okay if I was if I had the, if the if I had an opportunity to offer on the land and had the funding, I would know exactly, you know, it's just taking the steps. I know the pieces of the puzzle, you know, you look at a puzzle with a thousand pieces, you know, I'm looking for the corners and I'm working my way in and that's how I feel about kind of any business and
0: development now. Um, yeah, you know, no, like I, I think it, it it makes a lot of sense what you've said and I think you've gone about it in the right way. You've built something that gives you a bit of more regular cash flow than development projects might do, but you very quickly realized that you needed to get systems and a team in place so that that didn't consume you and then become a time drain, a time distraction from the ultimate goal of doing your development projects. Mm-hmm. In okay. terms of the, the pipeline, the, the projects that you are working on, how you're looking to scale the business on the development side of things, what is the, what's the plan there? Have you got anything on the go at the moment?
1: Yeah, so um, so as I said, my personal remit as the managing director of Jones Real Estate Property Group is to get us to um, 10 million in assets under management in the next 24 to 36 months. Um, so that is a combination of conversions to flats and HMOs so all on the luxury high end. Um, and we are, so our current development pipeline is 6.5 million GDV. So that's deals at a number of stages. Some have um, got planning going through some have got um conveyancing going through and some where we're on site um so that's um currently on site with um a six um ensuite hmo so um, that is going to be the first in under our new brand which will be launched and i will kind of you know release that probably the summer um so jones real estate property group is our B two B brand, maybe our corporate brand. So okay. our investors will know us as Jones Real Estate. Um, but we will be launching a tenant facing brand, which will be revealed hopefully later on in the year. Um, and then underneath that will be our other HMO. So I have um, we're about to complete. Um, we're weeks away from the next HMO and also the first conversion to flats. So that will be a development converting to five flats, and these will all be um, so with the new changes in COVID, um, where this brand and profile of property will all be geared towards um career professionals that work from home at least f- three days a week so in our HMOs there's space outside of rooms to um so our dining tables double up as workstations um in our houses that we're converting to flats is going to be um co-working space so whilst there are only five flats you know people in those families may can use um purpose-built um outbuilding for you know working and hopefully creates a community amongst you know there may be only two people will use it but we want to encourage them that you know this is the brand um the type of people that are moving into this building you know are collaborators you know they're not just closing their front door whilst they have self-contained apartment in the building very 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 much they're coming into an ecosystem where it's collaboration there's workspace um not over the top not trying to um Everything has to be profitable, Mike, (laughs) um, but definitely um, ensuring that we are forward thinking and, you know, we have very um, tenants that for me, tenants that we attract. I could, you know, happily become, you know, network with them and, you know, they might have an interest in property, vice versa. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're going towards. So I've got another one. So those are all in southeast London and I've got another conversion to four flats which my planning consultant is just reviewing some um initial plans. We're going through purchase of that. Um so yeah, that that's what the pipeline looks like. Um I and love it. also not to the most important, sorry Mike, is um our office. So we bought a building, a derelict building with a garage next to it, which we're converting to two offices and two flats above, which will be my first mixed use development. But will be our hub so that's where investors will come we'll run our construction from we'll have I plan to have a very lean team Mm -hmm. so um so our executives will all be based there and then we'll have teams you know we have staff overseas as well um outsourced but they're full-time so very much just departments overseas um and that that office is strategically I fought fought to the end to the end to get that property because um during covid funding was pulled um, so um, that office is one minute walk from five estate agents, so very strategically located in in my um, investment area.
0: Nice, and the the investment area, southeast London. Um, I don't know if you want to be more specific than that, but generally speaking, as soon as anybody mentions London, the first thing that a lot of people are trying to do is to to run away from it and say, "Oh, it's too expensive there. I need to go up to the northwest." or you know, I need to look elsewhere to find deals that can stack, but that doesn't seem to have put you off. And the numbers you're talking about, I mean, it's they're they're big numbers, but you're you're making it work, and you're finding that you can invest on your doorstep, and you've been able to do that without having to 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 head up on you know a couple of hours away to to find deals that stack.
1: Yeah, um, Manchester and Birmingham has been on my my radar for the longest time, and I'm very it's like it's a given Now I think about it you know all the time um but I've just been able to through to my network locally and my um my boldness with kind of looking at adding value um I've always been able to to find the value in my deals that it makes um I haven't exhausted um you know all the options and I feel like London is a big place and it's um I guess it's given, um, it's looked at very broadly and I just look at it as a gold mine. If you've got the patience to sift for gold, you'll find the nugget, and that's, that's it really. You know, yeah, you can't go and right move and find streets of properties that stack, but um, the in and amongst them, you know, you sit, wait patiently, you know, you see there's a property, um, have a property in um, zone two that opposite, there's a property that's literally been the windows have been taped up. It's there. There's someone living there, but um, I knock on that door maybe you know, every two years, just you know, just to say hi, you know. And, and I've, I've mentioned the lady says she's not interested in selling, which is fine. But that property has to sell at some point mm-hmm. where she moves or for any other reason. Um, and it's just I've got I can think now, you know, I've got my eyes on you know a number of properties that that waiting for egg to hatch. You know, they may they will come about and agents also know what I'm looking for. So my, my agents, they don't associate me with BNB properties, they associate me with my strategy. So it's not, you know, I do always say, you know, if you walk into an estate agency and say, No, I want BNB, um, but look, who doesn't, you know, that you, <laughs> not, I'm not going to remember you because who doesn't. Um, so I get called texts, I've seen um, this property, brilliant for conversion to flats, it's brilliant for HMO conversions. They're, they're like part of my team. They know what I'm doing. They know what works for us, both of them and me. They're not going to call me. Yeah, they might get a dilapidated one bed flat that can be converted to two bedrooms, but they can't. I can't have it all. Um, so I, I know what I want to do and they know what I want to do. So those deals come trickling through and because they are quite large in price, um, I can't push through 20 deals a year. So I only need five, six, maybe four deals a year and that's stable and um, sustainable growth.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's something else that people often get in their head about a little bit as well when they're looking at sourcing projects. You know, we're, we're doing maybe half a dozen deals a year. And that's enough. It gets us where we want to go. It, it, you know, to some people, it sounds like a lot. To other people, maybe it's, it's it's small volume. But the point is, most of what we find is is through stuff that's on the open market. And if you're looking to do that volume of deals, any less than that, maybe even a little bit more, I don't think you need to go crazy with, you know, um, excessive marketing for direct vendor deals, or like you say, you know, there's there's a lot of properties out there, London's a big place, the UK is a big place, you don't need to find a hundred different deals, you just need one every couple of months, and I think, you know, you can, I think they exist, I think they're out there. You know, I think um, Definitely. It, it's something a lot of people get in their head about, but it's uh, it, it doesn't need to be. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you've sort of showcased that as well, even in a, an area that a lot of people say, no, there's no deals to be done.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, all, you know, you have to think outside the box. You have to think, you know, both on a, on a macro scale. So if you just think um, baby boomers um, after the war, you know, a lot of them will not have done up their properties since they may have, you know, when, they, when there was, you know, huge construction boom, a lot of those properties would not have been done up. So those are all properties right to, you know, be brought back to life, you know, in, in today's, you know, today's terms, you know, I'm sure they're fine living in their properties, but they won't let or sell in that condition. So um, not every first time buyer or person that wants to move has 100K to throw out a property bringing it back to, you know, its glory. So you stand in a unique position, and it's all just about how you position yourself to estate agents, you know. And my one of my go-to sayings is that if there's anybody else on the table, then um, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to put an offer forward because I don't want my offer to just to be used as your springboard at uh, your next viewing to say, we've already got X on the table, which is an X So I'd rather someone else buy it cheaper, to be honest. Um and I just say, you know, if 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 I fancied the bidding war, you know, I'd be at, at Savile's or Else ups, but you know, um I just don't entertain it and I set the tone. You know, they I might not get this property. I walked away from property the other day. Um they said um oh we've already got oh, he said um best and finals. And I I said, Oh, it's fine. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not doing best. I'm not time. getting into that, my, yeah. Yeah, I gave you my offer and That agent since texts me a week later saying, oh, text, I've got this deal. So that hasn't ruined our relationship and doesn't think that I'm rude. He just clearly understands that when I do put an offer forward, I'm good for it. I'm good to go. I've done my numbers. Don't need to do best and final because I've been up front. So, you know, we're still – I've been in communication with that particular guy for five years. I haven't bought a single property from him. But he sees the properties that I'm buying next to his office. He sees – so he sees I'm doing stuff. You don't need to be buying from that estate agent to maintain a relationship. And, I, you know, we're, we're very, you know, we talk a lot. I bring him around to my properties when I finish refurbishing them. And when people think about maintaining relationships with estate agents, they look at it very transactional. Um, they're property people. You think about it. If they've been in the industry long enough, they're just passionate about property. So if they can see, you know, nice properties, he's also invested himself. He's quite a young guy which for me, hats off, I like to also, you know, see that other people in the industry, you know, they're also taking advantage of their positions, whether as mm-hmm. accountants. I always find that I connect better with those people that are also have dipped their toe in the investment side of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It, it allows you to have a, a different type of conversation with them. Uh, I, I don't think it's always necessary. And, you know, I guess sometimes there's an advantage that if they... This isn't maybe necessarily the best from a relationship point of view, but, um, you know, occasionally you'll pick up on a development opportunity that an agent's missed because they don't have that insight. But generally speaking, being able to have that open conversation with them, I find, you know, tell them what your plans are um and and you can you can explain to them you know often we can say well this is what we can offer and this is why and they can go back and have a conversation with the vendor and say you think you're going to get eight apartments on here you know these guys know what they're talking about and actually it's only five or six so maybe you need to revise your expectations and we've secured deals that way so it it works both ways a hundred percent mike you're spot on um i don't anytime
1: i don't put in an offer i take that opportunity to explain and so there's a property that I viewed two weeks ago. Um, I viewed the property, told the lady, you know, what um, I'm looking to do with it. I wanted to get into the loft. She called me back. She said, you know, I can get you back in. I brought my lad around. I got into the loft. Um, I left the, the loft hatch open. I said, you know, loft hatch can stay open for your future viewings. I explained to her what I want to do. She's come back to me. She said, you know, I know you said you can't get X amount of flats out of it, but just give me give me a price you know what is a property what would you pay for it and i've and what that's shown me is that she's clearly seen that i've been the most involved person
0: mm-hmm.
1: and know what i'm doing i've told her why i can't buy it. so she's got probably gone back and she said they can't buy because of x and the family's probably said you know what based on what you can get what would he pay for it um so and that's all if if you just close the door and say oh um it's not for me it's dialogue's over you know um, and they, they will remember you. They will remember that guy that, you know, came back twice, brought his ladder, um, you know, explained what's what and, you know, imparted some of your knowledge on them and vice versa. Also finding out what would the resale values be. You know, everybody likes to share a bit of their own knowledge.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Change in tax slightly. What would you say your biggest struggle has been along the way tax?
1: Bum bum bum. Biggest struggle would be, um, I think I don't have enough. My, my um, in terms of my ideas, I know exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, I need the team around me to help execute. And and it goes back to my um, wealth dynamics. It's the execution. Um, and not that so I can find, not that I'm not executing what I'm doing now not well, because I am, Um, well, you know, relatively, I'm making deals go through and getting my money out. But the scale that I want to get to, I require a team around me that are far more um, experienced than me. And I feel like that is going to tip me to the next level. So um, I'm very much, um, I feel like it's weird. I feel like if, if if I take my foot off the pedal, the whole vehicle starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get to the point where we're on autopilot. You you, you want you your processes in place, don't you? To start, yeah. I, I'd say that's my struggle because I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm very the driving force. The driving force, and sometimes the driving force doesn't have the capacity. You know, it's I have my my family time i have my um you know time where i want to go on holiday but at the moment i feel very much as the driving force and you know i do have a team i have systems in place but i think that will come to the point where essentially i can step back as a ceo and hire an md haven't yet been at the point where even though i've got managers in my company my lessons company still feel like there's I guess the, the managing director gives direction as well as manages, um, and I feel like that would be the um, getting to that point really. And it's it's an uphill battle, and you know you have to to hire the right staff. You need to have the right income, so it's that catch twenty two. So I'm driving that forward, um, and I'd say that would be um, yeah, just just starting, and you know getting the right team around me will be um, important.
0: I think, I mean, I, I acknowledge that, but I think the biggest struggle that a lot of people have is even the, the stage before that is 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 thinking, you know, I'll just do everything myself. And I, I'm glad to hear that you're not stuck there. You know, you appreciate, you value what a team can bring to you. So it, it, it's, you know, I think you you've overcome the first hurdle of knowing that you can do more by getting people in to help you than just saying, no, you know what, I'm going to do it all myself. Was that ever, has it always been a case that you thought, yeah, I'm going to grow a team, I'm going to grow a business here rather than just be a landlord who's, who's made another job for yourself?
1: Yeah, so my, um, my one of my business partners uh, and a close friends, he would always, he always tries to rein me in. He always says, you know, you're thinking too big. So um, I, I've always thought, you know, start as you aim to go on. Um, so from day one, you know, I'll be spending money on third-party systems so that we have systems in place so that when a team slots in, you know, we're good to go. Um, to, to, for example, Mike, we was on Clubhouse uh, two days ago, and your every trade, he mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, a CRM system for coordinating. And I've been trying to find one and build one for my own construction company, which. Doesn't even have hundred thousand pounds turnover yet, but I know very much how I want the communication between my construction team, my clients, and I've been looking and trying to find something off the shelf, and you know, clicked. Okay, so there's something out there. I might not end up using that, but again, I'm thinking it's not when I have a team of six or seven or eight that I'm now going to look for the systems to manage that team of six.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So yeah, I've always kind of had that kind of scalability factor in mind.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. Sort of build build the business that you you want to run, I guess, and then um, you know I, I think it's it's impossible to. I, I, I talked about this sort of plant pot analogy at the start of the year, where people think well. You know, once once the plant's big enough, once it justifies a bigger pot, I'll go out and spend the money. But unless you unless you put it in the right environment, give it the right pot, it doesn't have room to grow. So you kind of need to get those systems and processes in place first, and then the growth, the profits will follow. Certainly, that's how I look at things. Yeah, 100%. Um, and- finally just in terms of uh advice for someone who is starting out now with the the benefit of everything that you have been through what Mm -hmm. would you what would you advise somebody who's just looking at this industry as a a newbie how would they best get started in the current market
1: um i would say um they're doing the right thing if they're listening to this podcast (laughs) Um, and not, not, not because I'm on it, but just in general, they're seeking knowledge. Um, That, that's, that's the right thing. Absorbing information. um, You simply, it's very cliche, but you don't know what you don't know. Um, If I didn't expose myself um, to the networking events, um, I wouldn't be on this call with you now, Mike. Um, It's all been um, a domino effect. And I think just being exposed, um, if, by being exposed, you're not drawn to action, then you can't, you know, that that can't be, you know, drawn out of you. Um, But I think if you are, if you start to understand, um, connect with people, reach out, you know, I, I, off the back of maybe if I'm doing a talk or attending somewhere, I'd have, you know, out of maybe a hundred people, you'd have the one or two that follows up. And that's that I was that person. I was that person that, um, reached out great to connect. Um, you know, I'd love to learn more or something, you know, so people don't always have that time, but you just sow that seed. So if you reach out in the future, um, that door is, you know, half open. Um, so I would do that, build your network, um, start to prepare yourself, um, before you've even there. So, um, whilst I haven't done any sourcing in hindsight, I'd, I'd think if I had, um, i had a cousin or a young nephew um well my nephews are too young six and five but if they wanted to <laughs> hey start them young <laughs> yeah i do expose them um very indirectly they're into football uh but i yeah i do expose them so no doubt they will um no matter what they do the property will be a side hustle for them or full-time but um the i would i think sourcing um not for the purpose of making money but for the purpose of understanding if you don't have the money to invest yet understanding how to practically to to be a good sourcer you need to you know the best sources are sourcing deals that stack not because you've massaged numbers and and again you know just anybody can source a deal by i could just use rent to rent for example if a landlord wants to let his property at 1800 i agree 2200 with the landlord of course he's going to agree guaranteed rent and if you put your numbers at the top end of the market and you're presenting that yes a newbie and might come along and out of the desire to get going might pick it up but that's not you know for me that's not sourcing you know any you know you're just putting two carrots out there <laughs> but if you're you know it's like development deals right with me and my land buyer uh, my development company used to laugh at some of the, the deals that would come through from agents because They don't understand what the pound per square fit to build out is by just going and looking at comps um, for resale values and having a very ballpark and expecting us to do all the groundwork. You know, I would say sourcing, but taking a deep dive into sourcing as though you were gonna put your own money into it. um, That would be the best preparation to be honest, because you're building very useful contacts. Why I stopped um, selling hair is because I was building a business and building contacts with um, people that would not be of no use once I reached where I wanted to get to. So I quickly backtracked out of that and said, I'm not going to have shiny penny syndrome and actually just put my time and efforts into stuff that will be of benefit to me in property. So that's in answer to your question. um, I would, even if you found somebody and said, I want to source properties for you for free, that person would then train you how to source their deals, you know, that you don't have to. Money doesn't have to be attached to everything. I think chase knowledge and skills. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah, I love that message. And then finally, just to wrap us up, Tex, um, we've been chatting for about 50 minutes now. So it's been great to dig into your your backstory and what you've been up to. But equally, for people who want to keep up to date with everything that you're working on in the future, where is the best place for people to to see what you're up to is it social media have you got a website that you can share
1: yeah I think in terms of i do have a website um but in terms of keeping up to date again um I'd say instagram is kind of my shop window as you'd say um that's where i you know my investors a lot of them they i do do um quarterly investor updates send it out um in general but they know what's going on because they see um, <laughs> it via our social media. Um, I connect with people, so yeah. Any any um one that's interested in either um potentially um getting involved in some of my developments, you know, we offer fixed rate returns, um or just curious about the business of HMOs, conversions to flats, um day to day running of you know construction stuff. Um, Instagram is you know would be the best place to be. Loving that. Um, Mr. Tex Jones, t-e-x-j-o-n-e-s
0: yeah you are easy to find and i'll make it easier i'll make sure we post a link to um your profile in the show notes page for anyone who is interested in connecting with you uh and equally a little plug if we may for uh clubhouse which we're both enjoying at the moment are you are you how are you how are you finding the 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 platforms evolving text now that you've been on it for it's going to say a couple of weeks, but probably over a month now. Are you finding that there's there's still good value there?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I think what it is is that it's probably a 60-40. So as the app is still growing, we're probably getting 40% of the same people tuning in. But every week, because it's moving at such, it's spreading like wildfire, you're probably going to get 60% percent you know of new new people coming on board but you've also because of the there's no barrier to entry it's not you don't have to hire a hotel um ballroom it's you know there's other people and other groups bringing up so like the lady that come onto our group i think we have to be more specific now about the title of your group because Mm -hmm. the um the novelty is one-off so people are going to be selective as to what rooms they're popping into you Mm -hmm. know because you get clubhouse fatigue um, so I think that you need, you now need to quite have that specifics, which we've spoken about. Um, so people can tune in and know what they're tuning into. Um, yeah, I think it's great. There's people, like you said, before we jumped on this call, you knew a little bit more about me than perhaps we would have if you just followed me on Instagram. And there's so many people that, you know, I've connected with via there. It's very fast paced. If you're into networking, I think it's plugged the gap that we've all been needing you know, it be interesting to see, you know, its longevity as we come out of, you know, go back to normality. I think people will be hungry for that human interaction. Um, I know I'm, you know, keen to get back to in-person meeting, but off the back of Clubhouse and social media, you know, we'd have our diaries and agendas, if we're not careful, could be back-to-back with lunches, <laughs> people that we haven't met in person. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, just it's moving at a fast pace and just keen to see. I think we're just rolling with it month to month, so we um. If we need to, uh, you know, back out, I'm sure we will. But I think for now, um, it's uh, it's doing good.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's good to get your thoughts on it, and uh, I'm enjoying oh, hosting go. the rooms and the conversations with you. So we'll, we'll we'll keep doing that if anyone wants to connect with us on Clubhouse, we're there on a weekly basis. And I, I know you've got plenty of other things going on on Clubhouse as well. So yeah, no, it's 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 good. It's a new platform. It's exciting. It's interesting. There will be people who ruin it as always, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's, well, it's good and
1: bad. Like I said, the entry barriers are low. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there's, yeah exactly i think that sums it up perfectly uh we will wrap it up there tex i just want to say a massive thank you for joining me today for sharing your story your insights your your expertise nice. and your passion nice. for it mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I hope we get the chance to to speak again very soon definitely no doubt all right take care have a good day cheers okay. tex. <laughs>